Good to see you. Good to meet you. Hey, no, you, no intro today, you. guys. Sorry, we had to go live because uh, <laughs> we had to go live because we weren't paying attention. Oh, well, no I intro. Sorry. intro. Well, we could do it now just for shits and giggles, so why don't we? Welcome to Chase the Prophecy Radio, where we discuss the unidentified, the unexplainable, paranormal, conspiracies, and much more. Starring your host and co-host, Jenny Nicasio, Sean Kelly, Trish Lowe, and Jason Spencer, Ryan Petro. Brought to you by UPRN Network. Now for your host, Jenny Nicasio. <laughs> Good evening and welcome, welcome to Jason Prophecy on UPRN FM 105.3 in New Orleans, where we discuss everything and everything and beyond the scope of normal. I'm Jenny Nicasio, along with my co-host Sean Kelly, Jason Iampetro, and the fabulous Trish Mose. And well, I forgot <laughs> to say the vampire slayer, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, Sean, like, did this you fix your camera? YouTube you know post. what? I you don't listen no. to what I'm talking, guys. I'm the <laughs> oh vampire. Oh my god, hunter. Torture Tuesday! Here we come. Oh my yep. god, Torture Tuesday! Get it over with. Well, we have an interesting evening for you tonight. But before we get started, this episode is sponsored by Seriously What the Frick, a true crime podcast where a mix of true crime and comedy comes to light. Every Friday, Daphne, one of the most unserious people on the planet, will take you on a serious case of conspiracies will make you say, Seriously, what the frick? Daphne has, oh my God, Daphne has a talent of making even her darkest stories lighthearted, but without being disrespectful. Best part is 20% of her monthly proceeds from her Patreon and her merchandise store. This is great, which, okay, which her merchandise is to die for, let me tell you, goes towards the foundations like DNA Doe Network and the Cold Case Foundation to help give the people that she talks about the justice that they deserve. That's fantastic. You can find Daphne, I keep calling her Stephanie, Daphne's podcast, Seriously, What the Frick, anywhere you listen to podcasts and check it out. And thanks again to Seriously, What the Frick for sponsoring this episode. And you can find her link on our website and on our Facebook page. And it'll be on our um, bio too at the end of the show. Okay. <sighs> Can, um, before we we have to make sure we're on oh, no, on our no. stations because it, we've been having problems with people finding us. Okay, so I think we have seven comments so far. Yeah, but those we're are on us. Facebook. And um, we're on Facebook and YouTube. YouTube, YouTube and yep. Facebook. Okay, cool. <clears throat> okay, that's good. Last week we weren't on anything, so because we were we're having one of those rememberable shows that kind of gets messed up and we had a lot of complaints about it guys so i want to tell you that so we got to get on the ball we might have to designate people like trish does one thing jason does another thing sean does another thing but before we want to dwell into our guest tonight brad kelly is our guest and he's in Hi, the, i do believe hey, he's there um he's a sci-fi writer behind the novel of house of sleep co-host of the podcast art of darkness which i checked out featuring biological profiles of artists with a focus on the dark side of creativity which i find fascinating so if you ever watch 
movies or novels and like what goes into these guys mind you know so we're gonna find out because i know myself i'm a writer like brad um i'm switching over to a more scarier genre i think i'm going to go into the horror aspects of it because there's a dark side to all of us especially us creative people so and we'll make you think about when you read a book or watch a movie you know make you think a little bit what went into that so anyways um we're also going to talk about the tarot with brad and we're going to talk like i said the dark side of creativity and the author he's doing an ongoing um series of Inter- what did you say that was, Brad? I was a little... Oh, ex- explications and interpretations yes. of the tarot. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. So, Brad, welcome to Chasing Prophecy. Th- yeah, thank you welcome. for having me, guys. This is uh, this is awesome. I was, oh, I'm was i having fun already, and I haven't even... Haven't even yeah, so, firstly, I have, I have a question right off the bat. <laughs> yeah. Is there any relation between Brad Kelly and Sean Kelly? Because they both have the same haircuts. They have the same yeah, legs. Yeah, he looks like he could be my uncle or something, right? Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Not that I... There's a lot of Kelly. You can't even around, see him right so. now. But, we can't yeah. see him right now. He's hiding. He does that all the time. I got a glimpse. Yeah. <laughs> but your possible. picture doesn't do you justice, Brad. Oh, well, well You're thank have you. You're going to up to it because it didn't, you look in there, you look a lot older in that picture. Oh, do I? Yeah. Yes. yeah. So Jeez, you're, you're young, so Take you need easy. to update that. <laughs> Damn, Tim. I'm aging in reverse. <laughs> no, you you know, very, no, you're, you're you know, taking I, it the I appreciate way. that. That's very nice. Your picture no, looks I'm... a little bit stern, a little bit um older and yeah, you're much younger people, more, more handsome to... oh, than th- the picture well, okay well thank you i gotta get people to take me seriously though you know well yeah you very <laughs> look very very, very <laughs> life's too short for that very yeah. eccentric <laughs> writer yeah yeah okay so let's go into okay so um you write tell us a little bit what you write and why did you get into this genre genre and oh are you do you have that darkness behind your writing too? yeah well that's a good question right yeah um uh, so i started out writing like very i would say realistic kind of gritty stuff uh and have just moved into stranger uh and yeah and darker territory house of sleep is uh it's a novel about a uh a cult uh up on a plateau in which people are sort of remembering their dreams as though they happened yesterday it's got a you know charismatic guru cult leader who's drawing these people to uh to to the house of sleep for uh, nefarious purposes um uh and so yeah there's, there's a bit of a psychological thriller there's a little bit of a reality kind of falling apart that sort of thing so uh, it gets it gets dark and you know i think it ends on a i wouldn't say it ends on a dark note but uh but you got to go through some darkness to get there that's for sure Yes. Yeah. So how, yeah. So how do you like when you write? Do you mm-hmm. um to write more dark? You know, mm-hmm. we're going into the dark, uh, like even dark comedies. How do you get there? I mean, what, do, are do you have a dark side that you manifest? Yeah, it's, that's a good question. I mean, yes and no, right? So, so I would say yes, I do. Uh, you know, I, I live in I live in Detroit, the Detroit area, and though uh, there's it doesn't you don't have to go too far to see sort of the rough edge of life. Though I'm not saying I necessarily occupy that. I've been fortunate, but um, uh, and yeah, yeah, I would say that I've, I've got a little bit of a dark side. I think a lot of people who are are driven to spend a lot of time in a room by themselves creating something, um, you gotta have a little bit of 
discomfort almost fitting into the world, I would say. A little mm -hmm. bit of sensitivity, a little bit of uh, uh, anxiety, maybe, those sorts of things. So, so yeah, I would, I would say that I do. And I've always been drawn to sort of hor the horror genre a little bit. House of Sleep, I wouldn't call horror, though there maybe is a moment in there or two that, that kind of qualify. Um, but, yeah, I think I think most people... I don't want to speak for everybody, but all of the artists that I know, even the friendliest, happiest, bubbliest of us <laughs> often have uh, something, <laughs> you know, some story side. from their past, some relationship <laughs> with a parent, some terrible thing that happened. Um, and uh, yeah, so I've, I've got that, I, I suppose, as, as much as the next person, for sure. Yeah, that transfers over to uh, music as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm a musician and, uh, you know, being in and out of bands and dealing with songwriters and, you know, and I can, I'm more of a, the musical side of it. I'm not mm -hmm. so much a songwriter lyrically, but I've started dabbling into it. But, uh, you know, from dealing with everybody, when you dabble into that dark side is where some of the best just stuff comes from, the best material you could create, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, and it's, it's crazy to think about that. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's, well, there has to be a balance. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to find a balance because when you get into that, I mean, seriously, um, Jason, you even know when you write music, and, and Brad, when you get into this, this mode, this you focus, and it's hard to get out of it, and you put, try to you keep there's a you want to balance, and it's hard to do sometimes because once you start writing or, or thinking about stuff, it's hard to get out of that. And it can carry on into your, you know, your business and mm -hmm. it's hard to yeah. separate. Yeah. And, and, and for, for writing, sometimes, you know, sometimes you've got to just get into a headspace for the purposes of a, a plot, right? It's, it's like, mm -hmm. okay, this terrible thing is about to happen in this book. So I'm going to spend a couple of hours thinking, thinking in detail about, you know, the worst thing that ever happened to somebody, right? Because it's the scene in this book. And then you, you're done for the day and you close the laptop and it's like, oh, I'm just going to go, you know, I'm supposed to go have a normal relationship or a normal conversation with somebody. <laughs> it's, yeah, it can be, there it, can be a sort of a jarring, <clears throat> a jarring thing there it's, for it's, sure. It's kind of yeah. hard. Yeah. <clears throat> but um, Trish, when, why don't you give your um insight into this because you're you're a psychic intuitive um you, but you're also an artist um when you do your pictures when you take pictures and photos and when you create art um do you find yourself going off into a different i mean all the time i i talk to dead people so there, there's a lot <laughs> <laughs> my inspiration comes from from all over the place depending on uh, <laughs> depending on Death quite literally world. whether it's my own <laughs> um imagination or something i'm channeling so no yeah. that's a novel there so um bro so tell us about um so you also do the podcast yeah yeah so yeah part uh the podcast is called art of darkness art of dark pod.com uh, Art of Dark Pod on Twitter. It's a, it's a show I do with uh, my friend, the great playwright Kevin Kautzman. We 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 work on it together. Um, and every episode is we do a lot of research. So we'll spend a month. One of us will spend a month digging into the life and work of an artist, and then kind of present it to the other person. Um, and then we sort of take turns doing that. Um, and so you know we've done. Uh, a fairly wide range of, of people at this point. Uh, we did an episode on Johnny Cash. We did an episode on Marlon Brando. Oh, We're wow. both writers, so we lean a little bit more towards writers, but we try not to stay there. We've done 
mm-hmm. William Faulkner and and H.P. Lovecraft and uh, Franz Kafka and, and, and a range of other people. Um, we're doing a poet coming up soon who I knew nothing about, who is the darkest one of everybody we've <laughs> oh, covered geez. so far, oh, to be honest, wow. John Berryman. I, just... I think there have to be dark. Some of them, some yeah. of them, I mean, going back to Edgar Allan Poe, I mean, come on. Yeah. Going yeah, to yeah absolutely. yeah, absolutely. Do you find that so... drugs has a lot to do with the reason why they're dark? I mean, Johnny Cash was an alcoholic. He, I don't know if he, I watched the movie and I did a lot of research on him, but um, I don't know if he dwelled into the drugs yeah, he was a big uh, Johnny Cash was a big um, speed guy. So started mm. out, it was like medical. It was prescribed to him because that was common, you know, when he was younger in his in his twenties and early thirties. Mm. So it was it's kind of for him the pills the speed started is just like he was just trying to get from town to town on tour, and then the shows were going so well, and then you know you, you take a little bit just to to function, and then next thing you know you need you need them to do anything at all. And that's kind of that's kind of what ended up happening to Johnny Cash there. Um, so I would say most of the people we've covered, you and it ends up being drugs or alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, huh. And it's chicken and egg, it's chicken and egg scenario, right? It's who which which came first? Did they did, did they find the drugs because they needed that to fill you know fill a void, or? um did the drugs create the void to begin with you know it's 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 a little difficult to say in some in some cases well do um, we uh do you think you know because i know a lot of rock stars and stuff obviously they do oh, yeah. that stuff and um, yeah. do you think that they turn to it because it helps them get to a place where they have trouble getting to and it just lets it freely fly out you know yeah. but then sometimes they get overboard with it you know and you know, unfortunately, some perish and stuff, but yeah, I think I think that's absolutely true. I mean, I think it's a combination of things. Like, I, I think it's that. I think there's um, there's the the idea that it actually helps with creativity, and and you know, to be honest, it does sometimes. I mean, to be to be perfectly honest, I mean, especially if you've got a deadline, you know, not to recommend it, but taking speed might help right like (laughs) right and and not to say you should do it but like if you're in this sort of high stakes world and okay i'm gonna go perform in front of ten thousand people i need this to go well right Right. you're gonna do what it takes and then that can develop turn itself into a habit Uh, the actual creative part itself the coming up with the stuff to begin with sure i mean you know that's pretty you know, it's pretty commonly held belief that, you know, drugs of all sorts can be helpful for that, I, you know, turning it in. That's that's where the tricky balance is. Right. It's like it, having a drink that maybe helps you kind of relax from the day and then that helps you get into your art, your work. I don't see how that's wrong necessarily. But when you're when you've got it, when eventually <laughs> over time that becomes you needed to get out of bed, then you're in trouble. Yeah. So I think there's that. <laughs> But then I think there's also this trick too, where a lot of these artists, especially as they become creative or more successful, they don't have anything structuring their time. They don't have anybody telling them no. They don't have anybody telling them, you know, you can't do this. That's you me. have to be here. <laughs> right, right. And for some people, that is the ideal lifestyle. And maybe for all of us, it is. But for some people, some people can't handle that. There's no why. Why can't I get drunk? You still have to have structure, right. otherwise, yeah, exactly. you start like fifty oh, yeah. projects, and yes. that's my problem. Don't because I have ADHD too, so, and mm-hmm. I know. Ton, I mean, tons of artists, you know, obviously. <laughs> that, yeah. And we have all these things going on, so you do still have to have. That's. I was going to ask you if you are familiar with. Um, 
it's kind of, it's been around for maybe 15, 20 years. There's a lot of organizations. I, I personally work with uh, a few and I'm and getting more into it on prison art as therapy and prison artists. And I, I was wondering if you've ever um, interviewed anyone like that or kind of gotten into, because it's interesting. They have so many different styles and some of them donate, some of them um, make money off of it that goes towards restitution and stuff like that. But nobody's really gotten into um, kind of the stories behind them and how how they got to that. Yeah, yeah, we haven't we haven't delved into anybody on on the show, but I I really do want to cover some people who've spent like artists that are reasonably well known who've spent some significant time in prison. I did teach creative writing uh, in the penal institution in Texas for really? about Amazing. a year. Yeah. Um, it's fascinating. A wide, a very wide range of talent for sure. You know, some people who were, were very impressive and, and everybody was trying their best, but you know, some people, they never even sat down to write a sentence uh, to be honest, you know, so it was very much a, a very much a learning curve for them, but but you can certainly see the the therapeutic, you know, yeah. they, these guys, some of these guys were just writing stuff. They were writing a story, but it was clearly them figuring out how they got to where they were, you know, and I felt like that was nobody really ever asked them that, I don't think, like on a person to person basis. And you could definitely see that coming through their work. And, you know, all of those guys, there was, a, there was, you know, if you go into a, a jail or a prison, the, the the people are there for all different reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's people who are, who are a little touched by evil, to be honest. Oh, and yeah. then there are people who are just screw ups and not, not, not even casting aspersions on them. They just can't get it together. Right. Can't resist temptation, made bad decisions, just had poor luck, did the same thing as a, a thousand other people. And they were the ones that got caught, you know, um, but yeah, that's a that's a facet that's a that's a fascinating aspect of it. Um, the guy we're the guy we're covering soon, this poet John Berryman, American poet, he got locked up a couple of times for short term things, but he was like teaching at Harvard at the same time, and he oh, got like he oh, got like dr- you know he got like drunken disorderly charges for for crapping on his landlord's front porch. Like he he just you know on the one hand he was you know. <laughs> He was a Shakespeare scholar and a and a and a Pulitzer winning poet. And on the other hand, you know, he'd get a, too, a couple too many whiskeys in him, and you had no idea what he was going to do. Um, so it takes all kinds, I guess. <laughs> so t- tell us about your um, the other work you're doing with the terror, because you know this is a yeah. paranormal radio show, and we talk sure. about the terror all the time. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So um, I've been reading and studying uh, tarot for it's been a, quite a while now, seven or eight years, I suppose. And I, I I don't do readings in any like I do readings for a lot of friends. Um, I haven't tried to turn that into you know any kind of event thing. It's just it's sort of an intimate. Um, you know, somebody, a friend that wants to talk about something or a friend of a friend, that sort of thing. But I've been reading about it and really thinking about the tarot for a long time. And as a writer, I'm very, um, I'm very interested in metaphor. Excuse me. And so it made sense to me at some point, like I'm really trying to figure out these cards. Mm-hmm what what would be what what's the best thing for me well i think by writing so it was like i'm going to take each card and i'm going to write two or three pages 
I'm going to do some research. I'm going to bring a personal little personal anecdote into it. Um, I'm going to, you know, maybe research something that doesn't have anything to do with the tarot, but seems like it fits into this, into this interpretation of this card and just try to show a slightly different take on it. Um, not contradicting there's every card has as many interpretations as there are tarot readers. It feels like, so not to contradict anything or say what, this is what the card means, but maybe just a slightly different angle on any individual card. So that's been really cool. And a lot of people really seem to like it. I get, I get a lot of feedback on that. Like, oh, that was really, that really resonated with me. And my favorite is when it's somebody who doesn't know anything about the tarot, never, you know, never even considered thinking about it and, you know, reads one of those. And like, that was, that was pretty meaningful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so that's, really so that's pretty cool. Why yeah. you're doing that, writing down each, yeah, yeah I think that things like that would actually help you learn how to use the tarot because you know, it, it takes time. Well, yeah. I think people get stuck on what the literal, you know, like the original right away um, tarot. The, uh, people get so fixated, especially when they're learning, or yeah. or even if they want to go to a reader, they I think they assume that they have to know what all of these mean right. and and all of these things and and the literal definition of each card you know historically and that's not um yeah i totally agree I mean, it with took that myself I, yeah. a while to, like figure that out as well i think everybody you know yeah like, no i i totally oh, agree with that there's not- <laughs> yeah people want it to be like they want like a three words for each card like right. that's what that card means and yeah it's not <laughs> it's not particularly useful i don't think yeah, no. that way it's kind of constrict and, and and the cards talk to each other too so if you're too you're not flexible about them they're not gonna they're not gonna be in dialogue with each other Absolutely. either so and and you know there's so much there's been so many people have written so much very brilliant stuff about the tarot you could spend the rest of your life just reading books on the tarot so um so yeah that's pretty cool you can check that that's on my website uh i'm supposed to promote myself brad kelly esque so so you don't do any reading like 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 readings and no just what she's just saying is she wants a tarot reading no. thank you jay thank no. you jay I totally, I totally i would totally do one that's cool yeah i give i give readings to people i just don't turn it into here we like go a, jenny definitely wants a reading trust definitely me definitely yeah. can trust read our mind ways does jenny want a reading <laughs> yes oh put put the that's a flea that, market eight ball cool. just i'm trying to buy can you so brad kelly what was the rest of that i'm sorry uh yeah e s q E-S-Q. Okay. U-E. Just a bad I want to come yeah. in there. And yeah, and there's a tarot. There's a tarot tab on there. I think I've done like 13 cards at this point. What's your favorite spread? Um, I like. I sort of do like a modified Celtic cross without the. There's the traditional Celtic cross has the big bar of them on the right. Yeah. Um, I've realized when I was giving people readings, they start getting like it's. People don't have that kind of attention span anymore. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so I had to like trim it down and get rid of all like goldfish. Yeah, exactly. Three cards yeah. are the best. Yeah, then people cards. start checking their text messages by the time you get there. So you got to like kind of cut it, cut it short. So I just do the the sort of the middle of the Celtic cross. So what is that? Through two Five? six cards, I guess. Six. Yeah, Pat, I'll do a three card for some people sometimes too. Yeah. 
Have you ever, when you've done a reading for somebody, by not knowing what the definition of a card is, but what you actually felt when you pulled the de uh, card off the deck, have you ever done something like that? Yeah, 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 certainly. Especially like early on, I would... Uh... So, so early on when I was studying tarot, I was a single dude and, and I learned that, um, it was in a really interesting, it was a really good way to talk to girls at the bar. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've never yeah. thought about that. I've it's never... true. <laughs> it wasn't the bald head. No, no, cards. that doesn't that doesn't that doesn't that doesn't help at all. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I think so. But, uh, but, but, but so like, you know, I, I never tried to read cards for anybody until I felt sort of reasonably confident that I, I could do it. Um, but but yeah, I, at, at the first, you know, handful of times for sure, it was like, well, I don't you know, I don't remember what that's supposed to mean. But I use the I use the deck that that Trish mentioned, the Rider Waite deck, which has pretty um pretty descriptive images on it on all of the cards a lot of the decks for the the minor arcana cards just have they'll have you know four wands on it and and then you got to kind of remember some numerology and whatever but the deck i use has a picture on every single card and so there's always something you can pick up there right. um like i said as a fiction writer i'm always thinking in metaphor anyway so um you know i i'm fairly good i think at 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 talking talking my way into something meaning something <laughs> so, <laughs> so kind of use that uh, gift if you will um but but there is you know times where there's certainly just feeling there's a lot of um there's a lot of body language is maybe the easiest way to describe it but there's oftentimes a sort of a you can feel the way somebody disposes themselves to a card you can feel whether their attention is on it or whether it's it's not on it you can feel whether they're confused about that card or you know suddenly they're energized a little bit by it um and that often means something that often maybe means just you need to spend more ten put more attention on that card or 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 um a different kind of attention on that card because you know that one's gonna that one's gonna be very important for them do you find any uh cards like appear more often than others because there's what 72 or 73 cards in a deck yes yeah, 78 like cards I, I have cards that show up for me a lot uh, my wife has cards that show up for her often <laughs> Like, that don't show up for me and who knows what you know what the does, uh, the, does the death card come up because she just found out about how i used to pick up chicks with this <laughs> <laughs> well hey i wouldn't say i ever picked up but but they <laughs> talked to me for like 10 minutes and then then they went off um but it was a good entry point i just never did anything with it um uh yeah so yeah i would say cards do show up like for me f fairly often um the card I've gotten the last couple times that I've I've thrown some cards is uh uh is the nine of pentacles. I'm just saying that because I have a deck right here. So wow. nine of pentacles is this oh, this nice. lady in a garden, basically. She's got a little falcon on her falcon on her hand. Um and yeah, that one pops up for me a lot. And it's about uh resilience, self-reliance, you know, aspects of being in tune with nature. The Falcon thing has a whole personal meaning for me that probably would take too long to explain, but it's uh, it's weird to me that the one with the Falcon in it shows up all the time. That feels 
like something's going <laughs> it feels like a weird <laughs> synchronicity to be honest um so that's that's pretty cool so that definitely happens and i have a couple of other friends that i read for pretty regularly that they they will have like a couple of cards that seem like they show up almost every time um, do you do you ever have like tarot showing up because it started happening to me um in in your in like in your reality like well, i was just walking my car the other day and there was literally a playing card a two of hearts right by my tire yeah, yeah. and i'm like oh you know or like a king of something <laughs> or i'll be driving and see like a semi truck that says night on it like k and i and a yeah. number i'm like so my entire life's like <laughs> yeah 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 no you yeah you definitely well that definitely happens um and and it feels like it you you know you're kind of looking for it for sure but but it does it definitely pops up there's a the moon card which which meant a lot to me for a while and still does but resonated with a phase i was in with my life the moon card has these two big towers in the back oh, um, yeah. and i there's been a couple of times where i've like been having a moment and walked out into you know an area and then like had two towers of some kind yeah. or something that looked like you know two chimneys or whatever yeah. and just sort of thought whoa something <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> exactly and then you start thinking about what that card means and and yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty it does it does like it does get into your life and yeah. into your psyche for sure can yeah. it get too overwhelming like do you find yourself yeah. getting like yeah. sucked into and you're like oh my god this that <laughs> the other um not so much uh, not so much i mean i to a certain to a certain extent it's funny i was talking to somebody about this one time who is um a very um, traditionally religious person and it was like he 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 straightforward asked me he was like but don't you feel like you're inviting inviting a demon into your life <laughs> and I kind of was trying to take him I was trying to take that question seriously like do I feel like in some way there's something invading my life and to be honest it has been so helpful for me understanding what I'm experiencing that it feels like um it feels sometimes like I've got a um, like a visor and I got a button I can push and suddenly like whoosh, you can kind of see the world in a different a slightly different way yeah. be because of the because of that simple system. So yeah, I don't I, I think it's done nothing but add to be honest. So maybe I get sucked in a little bit, but it's been it's been hugely helpful. Okay. So like we have a comment in here from a Gloria. Yeah, I'm talking about mediums and stuff and i i, I can probably directed towards me yeah <laughs> maybe well, you i you see i have no i i'm like a i don't have any gifts really i'm like a scholar nerd guy so trish <laughs> is probably like actually able to read people i you know oh, right, i need a but, crutch <laughs> but it was negative oh <laughs> no very positive. Oh, what? come on you know like um doreen virtue she used to do i don't know i'm sure you brad you've heard it you Trish, if you that heard Adoring Virtue, she mm -hmm. did all these tarot cards, beautiful cards. And she said that she found Christ and she believes that she, you're not supposed to do that. So she mm. doesn't do it anymore. But that was her whole livelihood. I mean, wow. she, she spent a lot of money on artists developing her cards. And if she she did so many different shows on the tarot and angel card readings. And she doesn't do any of that anymore. Wow. And she has tons and tons of YouTube videos saying, don't do it. Wow. You know, because you're, you're bringing you know, the occult, but I can see the tarot cards because those go back to like Trish, you know, back into the pet, you know, back into the, 
you know, middle ages, they've been doing tarot cards and And nowadays there's even, I have like angel, um, Oracle decks and stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, nowadays there's, there's even religious affiliated cards that people have created. So I see, I see it as the other way that, and, and I don't know, Brad, you might, you might agree with me. We're talking about symbolism in real life. I think that's where they originated. Obviously. I think it was a way, you know, we always use our intuition and like you were saying, you, you don't feel like by using them it's brought anything negative into your life if if anything it's been the opposite and i feel the same way because when i see the you know in real life like two towers or something or a tower and i'm like okay a tower moment but that kind of helps you i've avoided i mean i've probably avoided like car accidents and all kinds of things because i'm actually paying attention by living in the present it also helps Mm. me let be present i avoid things in my real life that would probably be potentially dangerous. It's kind of like, you know, people say with witches and seeing a black cat, if I see a black cat, no, the cat itself is not bad and evil. Right. But I know in my life, that's probably symbolic of something in the near future. And mm-hmm. it can be, any, I mean, it could be my health, like my blood sugars, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. I started paying attention to these things. So I don't think, like I don't specifically affiliate. And even when I got my hypnotherapy certification um, in hypnotherapy on a, on a clinical basis, they affiliate um, even like using the pendulum and things like that with your higher conscious. Now people in my class were of all religions, some very, very religious. And, but because you're not initially going by the old school stigma of all of that being bad and evil, you know, (laughs) right. Right. More productive. Um, a lot of healing things of their own, uh, you know, in their own lives and, and, and things like that. So I don't, I mean, I know what the Bible says and I know, you know, that's again, I, I also believe any religious context is, is perspective as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I mean, the one thing I guess I would add to that is one of my the most one of the deepest, most interesting books on the tarot that I've read is called um, Meditations on the Tarot, A Journey into Christian Hermeticism. And it's a book about yeah. relating the tarot to Christian mysticism. And it's it's blurbed by I wish I could remember his name, but it's blurbed by a, a guy who's dead now, but was was a bishop and had yeah. was a scholar at the Vatican. So it's not. And, and the entire book is about the tarot, right? It's mm-hmm. 700 pages about the tarot, about the tarot. Oh, so oh, it's, it's, yeah, so it's not, it's not it, the, I, I think the, I think the, the, the fear around it being um, somehow bla- uh, blasphemous or something like that. I think it's, I understand that perspective, but I think, I think it's right at the surface. And I think when you get down a little bit more into what the practice actually is, I think, I think a lot of those concerns would go away personally, but. Yeah. yeah. I was trying to find my cards. I was going to try, I have these God cards are so cool. 
Oh, cool. Like, yeah. geez, they have all these different pictures and it's they're really cool. Oh, that's there's the amount of them. decks is amazing. One thing I should say, this deck that that that, that Trish mentioned and that I use, uh, the writer Wade Smith, we actually did an episode of the Art of Darkness on the illustrator who did these. So we oh, talked wow. about her entire life. Cool. Fascinating wow. figure, very much kind of forgotten. I mean, oh, wow. the woman's name is Pamela Coleman Smith. She did the illustrations for a long time. The deck was called the Rider Weight deck, and her name wasn't even on it. Um, you know, it was a bunch of dudes basically took her work and <laughs> tried to make capitalize on it but she was a fascinating figure you know she she was a synesthete so when she heard music she saw visions oh. um she's a very very interesting person so she you know she did a lot of she she illustrated that entire deck in like two months or something like that so oh, wow. yeah she's an oh, impressive God. impressive person so. some of them are so beautiful they really are yeah and it's a very cool style it's very like very unique so so your 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 book yeah. On the tarot. Now explain to us like like you you're doing a series. I'm doing a series. Yeah, I would I'll probably try to get it into a book at when the whole deck is done. When I work my way through the whole deck. So but, you're yeah. gonna go through each card in in the um or Oh man. Yeah, all seventy eight. That's oh, the plan. Man. Yeah. I'm a patient guy. Wow. So, yeah. Good luck. <laughs> does your wife have see in a couple years? Have patience, huh? <laughs> Yeah, she does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, you know, she knows what I'm, she knows what I'm up to. So. And she's a reader. <laughs> yeah, she is for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So she likes. So how come you don't do a prof- like on a side gig? How come you don't, what, what's do your reasoning read, for not? Read tarot cards? Um, when I'm kind of too busy. I mean, I, I might still, yeah, I, I, I'm open to that for sure. One thing is that I kind of just did it, started it as a personal thing and then started doing it for, for I don't even want to say for fun, but as a way to the one thing about tarot is if you get reasonably good at reading the cards, you can go from, hey, how are you doing to the deepest conversation you've ever had in about two minutes. So it takes a lot it's, of energy. It, it does. It yeah, it's, it'll tap you out for sure. But so it became this kind of cool thing. You're sitting down with your friend and you're like, all of a sudden you guys are talking about like core stuff about their being and mm-hmm. the way that they, you know. <laughs> And it's 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 a little bit exhilarating, honestly. Welcome to the dark side. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you have to go there, right? Sometimes you have to go there. So, so yeah. I mean, at some point, it didn't it's it has never made like sense it. for me to read read them for people. And now like, you need to do that with people and have <laughs> notebooks, pens, and instruments laying around. Yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> for sure. Yeah, you turn it into something. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and I in- integrate into my creative process too. So the no- novel writing is kind of my first thing. I will do tarot spreads for characters to figure out. Oh, like, that right, is what a, really what is their deal. I where like are they that. going? Where have they been? That's and cool. and it actually adds a, huh. adds a dimension to them almost immediately. So. Did you yeah. do it? It's a way to uh, unblock um, sometimes a lot of the, the creative processes or, uh, yeah. or even, you know, if you're trying to make, I know I, a lot of people, um, including myself, use, use it occasionally for, you know, say you're trying to decide on two different houses to buy or, you know, any major decision like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, yeah your, in your book, Brad, right, did you, for uh, the cult leader, yeah, yeah. Did you lay a spread out for him? Yeah, yeah. Did you? <laughs> yeah, I did. And for all your characters for that book? Yeah, the three. That book is uh, three major characters where you get like scenes from their perspective or whatever. And um, yeah, they all they all had they all had spreads, and I figured out where they all fit. Um, 
and what's called the fool's journey. That is, is so, that yeah. is really a good idea. Yeah, because it, it gives you it's a it's a old these are old patterns of of how things are, you know, and, you know, even if a person wanted to say for, you know, your own life, they're kind of silly or whatever. Um, in the fictional world, it's perfect, right? It, it Because it's, these are patterns that have survived and people have found resonance in them because they do, they're on some level true. And so, you know, the, the, the fool goes, you know, the, the, um, the magician goes into the high priestess and that makes sense. That makes sense. So, um, so it's, it's, it's really cool for, for that process, integrating into the creative process for sure. That's amazing. How, how long did it take you to, I mean, you said you're still learning, but how long did it take you to learn all the cards? Like, I know you said you don't. Yeah. To like do a spread to like confidently do a spread for somebody. Yeah. I would say I, when I started getting into it, I was, I was reading about the cards and looking at the cards like every day for half an hour, Mm -hmm. hour, um, for probably about six months before. Yeah. Yeah. Before I felt like I could confidently, because it's not just knowing what the one card is. It's, it's the multiple cards and it's telling a story. Maybe that's not the right way to put it, but presenting it to the person you're reading for where all the cards are talking to each other. So it's not just the individual cards, but it's understanding what to take from each one to make to make them work together. And you're weaving a tapestry that might be meaningful to this person. And then also starting to pick up and then then that's just reading the first time you read for a person. Then you have to start understanding how to read the person, which is also a challenge, right, to really, you know, what is their from how they start into it, you know, I've had friends who are very, um, very smart guys, but very skeptical sorts of mm-hmm. dudes, scientist type figures. And I had to tell them, I was like, listen, I know you think this is all BS, but just like, just bear with me. Okay. You gotta, you gotta try you like, you have to try to, this isn't me trying to prove something to you. Sit down, like, let's go through this. And, and those people have all universally sort of gotten something out of it at the very least. So nice yeah that, yeah that's good that's good that's a, cool idea. Uh, a lot like of people your, I like uh, your energy brad I like oh i appreciate energy. it man i like Thank doing you. this and this is i'm so glad you guys invited me on so <clears throat> it, it's this is really cool so a lot of, a lot of people that i've run into you know over the years they you know they always say like you don't want to mess with tarot you don't want to mess with an ouija board and a lot that's of people I, mean. I think like class of like kind of categorize them together mm-hmm. you know what's your opinions like what's your opinion on that just so you know people yeah can... i don't Ouija board I haven't really messed with since I was a kid, you know. I, I don't know oh, what boy. to make of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I you know, Trish probably knows know much more about that than me. I, I think it's intention. I mean, because a lot of tarot readers um do especially if you're tapping into, you know, other people's energy and doing it for there there's some readers that just do collective readings and things like that. So they're not necessarily tapping into a specific person's energy. When you're doing it for a specific person, you're tapping into their energy. People don't realize the spiritual entities and attachment. I mean, it might not be the person themselves that has something negative, but something that might be attached to them. And that's, that's where I think that the board, I don't know if you do that yourself and call in different, you know, based on a person, person's religion or whatever, you'll hear a lot of readers say, you know, um, asking for their ancestors or spirit guides or angels or whoever to join them. Um, so I think that 
that's important who you're calling in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I for doing a tarot reading for somebody, I I will certainly say a prayer and I'll sort of also right. take a, a moment of just because I want to meet them where they're at. Right. So I'm going to take it. I take it fairly seriously. Um, and I, I don't know exactly what I'm messing with I'd yeah. be honest about that. Like, I don't I don't pretend to know all of the levels of what this thing is. But I do think that if you like most things in life, if you go at it well intentioned and sort of pure of heart, you're safe from most of the bad stuff that can happen. Now, I if think, you're doing like a reading think. for like a serial killer, I would probably, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just yeah, <laughs> serial killer. Oh, I don't want to be reading <laughs> anybody's <laughs> serial. Yeah, I'm no, just that's like, like that's pure yeah. evil. That's you're right. pure evil. You're right. Yeah. Hey, Brad, I was uh, I did sure. some research on you, and you were um, I forget who where it was from, but you talk about owls. Yeah. Is that what? Yeah. Can you explain that a little bit? About the owls? <laughs> yeah. You can't see it here, but I have like 12 or 13 owl tchotchkes like right here. Like I'll just pull one. I have a bunch of these just sort of sitting here. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. So owls, you know, I guess you would call it sort of my spirit animal or whatever. Um, but they're, and again, you know, I'm sort of obsessed with symbology and metaphor, out, right? Sorry. Yeah. What's that? Owls, owls creep me out. out. Yeah, they they kind of should. Doesn't mean when bit. you see an owl doesn't mean you're doesn't that mean death? No. Well, see it depends on the it depends on the the sort of the poetic kind it's of tradition mice, yeah. that you're dealing with. The Middle Ages, the owl was thought of as an avatar of Satan. But that mm. has not that 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 interpretation sort of hasn't survived because the Greeks had a totally different interpretation and and other traditions have as well. For me, the owl is a symbol of wisdom. Um, they, um, and then there's a couple th other things that are, they're sort of metaphorical about them. They can turn their, their head in all directions, right? So, so there's a, an ability to see what maybe otherwise is very difficult to see. Um, they hunt at night and in silence, which mm. is, creeps me out just to say it. Yeah. <laughs> Poor mice. It means, <laughs> yeah, right. But it, but it means something about being able to operate in realms of the mind that are, um, occluded so being able to go into the sort of the depths i suppose and and retrieve something um, um so so they mean something to me in in that regard and i've had a lot of dreams about them so really? yeah they just show up in my when dreams you hear i had thought it was a could you hear an owl that means someone's gonna die See, I've never heard that particular one, but there are certainly, yeah, there are a lot of, they're always a creature that has like mystified and terrified people forever. Most, yeah. I, I, Did they ever I, figure I, out I, how many licks it takes to get to the center of a total? <laughs> that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, that owl's the one to ask. They would know if anybody. A lot of abductees <laughs> dream of owls. Yes. Yeah, owls. no, that's really good. I was going to bring that up too. You're totally right. I think there's that's an entire book me, about this. Owls yeah. are neat. They can like turn their head all the way around. That's freaky. They can. Well, I have a statue outside that does that, but it's supposed to scare away the big birds from the, the crows and boys. things. Yeah, yeah. yeah we so, got a lot of turkey vultures and hawks around here. Yeah, so they're just they're just fascinating animals. They're they're I I relate to them, and it's funny. Um, my co-host on Art of Darkness, artofdarkpod.com, is uh his name is Kevin Kautzman, and I didn't I didn't know this for a long time, but that translates to Owl Man. Oh wow! Um, and I had an owl thing like before I met him, so it was kind of like a we have like a 
some kind of astral um, fate uh, to meet each other and be and be friends. So that's kind of cool too. <laughs> that's amazing stuff. Have yeah. you ever um, thought about doing make uh, doing your own tarot? Making doing the artwork, reading. Oh, doing the artwork. I'm not really enough of an artist, probably, to do that. I've definitely thought about maybe trying to collaborate with somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, but then I started collecting decks, and I've got twelve or fifteen decks now, and there's just so there's so many of them. I feel like um, I, I'm a I'm the kind of person I don't like to. And maybe this is a, a lack of confidence or something. I don't really like to delve into something until I feel, unless I feel like I'm going to be really good at it. Mm. And uh, <laughs> I'm a little overwhelmed by trying to do a tarot deck. It's taken me so long to be able to write a novel um, that I, I'm afraid I only got. I don't have enough lifetimes to, to master that craft too. <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted to do, but I, I just. It's interesting to me for sure as a project. It's super interesting. Very what do you think of the definitions of the cards in your own in your own perspective? Yeah, like what do I like? What's the my definitions opinion? of each card? Yeah, they they've they've sort of changed over time. I, I don't think anybody. What I think is that nobody is the authority on them. So they've all been um, they've been interpreted over and over and over again by some very learned and and intelligent people. Some very um, you know, empathic people. Uh, and, and I think, I think what ends up happening is like a lot of these things, a lot of sort of symbol systems is you just pile interpretations on one after the other. And over time, what resonates will stay and what doesn't will get washed away. And so what we're left with now is this corpus of books and interpretations you can take whichever ones make sense, take, not take whatever other ones don't make sense. Um, and I think ultimately anybody who delves into this is going to come up with their own, their own sort of dictionary of meanings. Um, and I think that is actually, I, I used to be a little bit hesitant about coming up doing that, but as I spend more time with it, I feel like that's the destiny of anybody who's going to read tarot, take it seriously and dive, really dive into it is you're going to come up and it's going to be not entirely your own. It's going to be pulled from different sources and different times you read. And you're like, whoa, I really saw that happen in this reading. And now that's a permanent part of that card for me. Um, but yeah, so I think it's I think it's I don't think there are strict meanings, but I think there are. You know, the, you know, you could you could take stuff and, and try to make up your own. That would be ridiculous. You could take the death card and try to make it about um getting rich or something and, and this wouldn't make sense right. really right but right. but but you know as long as you can make the metaphors work for you then then it's that's what it means awesome. <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely yeah makes me want to read haunted houses work a lot like that too you know you get all these people coming from all over the world and there's there's been tons of different perspectives and historical findings and you have layers and layers of history and and people's energy in there and stuff and it always comes down to kind of collective findings from from all of it you know yeah yeah this is one of the reasons i like to use the rider weight and and this is nothing against other cards part of the reason i like to use it is because it's been probably used by the most people and mm -hmm. so there's something Universal. about that by itself like every time i look at a card it's like 
millions of people have looked at this card and tried to figure it out. And there's something about the energy of that that I think is in it somehow. So, yeah. what what kind of, what book do you use? Do you use a, a book or do you just follow the, um, the definitions in the in the book at the cards? It's yeah, the yeah. My my favorite. Um, there's sort of three levels. So if somebody were just trying to like get started, learntarot.com is amazing. They're pretty straightforward. It's all there. It's all easy to kind of navigate through. Um, and then for me, the big one is, and it's sort of the next maybe level up, is Rachel Pollock's 78 Degrees of Wisdom um, is a great one. 70 uh, Degrees of Wisdom? 78 Degrees of Wisdom, yeah. So 78 cards, 78 Degrees. Um, and then I got really into, um, there's a couple volumes of the Jungian Tarot, like Carl Jung, um, by Robert Wang, which was great. And then the granddaddy of them all is, uh, is uh, Meditations on the Tarot, A Journey into Christian Hermeticism, which uh, is, you could you just spend, deep for me. <laughs> you could spend the rest of your life just reading that book. And then when you get to the end, starting over. So, <clears throat> yeah, I always wanted to do it, but I, like, I mean, I did angel card readings for my friends and families and I mean, since the time I was a little kid, I was drawn yeah. to it, but I was always afraid because, um, you know, I am very, I'm a Christian and I'm, I'm a Catholic and, um, I just felt that I shouldn't do it. I mean, I shouldn't charge people, mm-hmm. I, because, but then I started thinking it's a gift, just like mm-hmm. any gift, like art, writing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's nothing, I don't think there's anything thinking. wrong with charging people for it. Yeah, and then yeah. I think, well, why not? If I I, I paint, why I'm going to mm-hmm. charge people? And I thought, well, maybe I have to think of it as a different way, mm-hmm. so I don't. And you're not like making people pay you. You know, you're not. Yeah, I would probably somebody have a donation. You can do, <laughs> donate. Yeah, you know, well, I mean, if they're if they're way. giving it to you, if they're giving it to you, and especially if they come back, then you know that. Like, you know, if you give somebody a reading and they come back, I'm good. Later, I, I like, mean, I'm really good at doing yeah. I have, yeah. I could sit to see, I don't know the definitions to the cards per yeah. se, all of them. I just look at them and then I just, I read, I just can. I'm pretty. I'm pretty good. In my, you're, my... You, you've got you. You're an empath. See, I'm. Thank I, you. I, Thank yeah. You, Thank yeah. You. I don't. I don't have that. I'm a. I'm a nerd. So I have to like. I have to like. <laughs> Why research. do you say that? You're not. A nerd. I don't think that's <laughs> true. I, I think you wouldn't be drawn to stuff like that if you yeah. weren't at some level empathic. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Really I probably have a little bit of it, but but I don't. I, I certainly feel the need that like I need to. I, I need to like read and read and read and read and read. So. But that's just because I think you're – see, I feel that way in the aspect when you're talking about you feel like you have to master something before you can do it. That's what I feel. I feel like I should master so, the cards. But like I don't think that has game. anything to do with being empathic or not. I think that's just being a perfectionist, you know, and, mm. we, and we all get in that um, to some degree – and yeah. stuck kind of in that instead of just starting something or actually doing it and putting yeah. it out there because – and then you see other people's work and you're like – well, that only took them two months. Like, well, right. I've been working on this for like 40 years, you know? And right, 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 right. <laughs> but, but that's different. Like, I think that's more of a perfectionism thing, which there's nothing wrong with that. Like I yeah. said, a lot of us are like that rather than an empathic thing or, or just self-doubt almost self. Yeah. Um, I'm that way with even mediumship, you know, I'll think of all these 
these channelings. And then I'm like, well, now I have to go research them scientifically because right. I don't know that side of it. Yeah. Just to, but, but, but yeah, do you really like the nerd groups? <laughs> yeah. Something, you know what I mean? And I'm not saying that in by any means, <laughs> I'm saying, like making fun of myself as far as, <laughs> because I feel like I don't know enough on the subject, but you yeah. just have to start. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Brad, you know it? yeah sure. Brad, with all these, uh, the, all the books that you read and you study up on, yeah. don't you get confused at the different authors and what they have to say in the books? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So how do you <laughs> how do you sort it out? Well, that's part of that's part of what um, that's honestly part of what this me writing these things about each card is about is like like I said, from the only way the tried and true means for me to to think is to write, and so I need to go through each card and I'll reread the chapters in sort of my favorite books on that card. And then I'll put them away and then I'll think about my life and what's a moment or a phase that resonated. And, and, and it's not so much that I need to separate them from each other, but I need to filter them. So what makes the most sense to me remains. Um, And then if I forget who, who came up with that, Ah, and it doesn't matter too much, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so that's like a great question. I mean, yeah, it's a great question. It's like anything. It's yeah, you stri- it can get uh, you can get kind of analysis paralysis. I think they call it, where it's like you've got so much information, you suddenly <laughs> you can't make a decision. It's like yeah, you gotta. Uh, that's, oh that's yeah, to get through. That's me most of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Is that a roadblock? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you ever been blocked in your writing? In writing. Yeah, yeah, all the time. Yeah, I mean, writing the novels is is uh, writing writing writer's block is part of the process, in my opinion, for sure. So that happens. My my strategy on that is you just keep showing up, and then sometimes you just sit there and nothing happens, <laughs> and you just oh you yeah, just, yeah, you just it's show up. Like again the same the thing day. with writing music, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like you you could be writing something that's coming along awesome, you know, you get a verse, a pre-chorus, yeah. whatever, and then you know you just flop, and for you just can't grasp it but my what i've done is you know you never want to force it right you know sometimes right. just step away come back another day and then when it just comes out like fire that's yeah. that's when you know or you have it yeah. you know? nothing so comes it's, out. it's just cool to you know it, it, it's literally the same thing for all different you know for authors and writers yeah. and musicians yeah. and you know yeah i i i mean there's a there's a guy i know who described the artistic processes um boring yourself until you mildly hallucinate that's that's how he described the creative process was there lsd involved (laughs) there could be but it is not necessary just just sitting there until like man i'm really not doing anything else i guess i'm gonna write this thing so um yeah yeah yeah. Or you want to do so many different things. You want to do this. You want to do that. You want to do this. Yeah, and you can't yeah. focus on which one to yeah, do. Yeah, that's that's a that's a challenge too, for sure, for sure. And the novel has been the novel has taught writing a novel as a craft has taught me so much about patience that uh, it's been worth it for that almost by itself. Do you novel. do you write um, a outline or do you by the seat of your pants? And it's a little bit of both. I mean, yeah, I kind of know where it's at, generally going to end up, uh, but. You know, I I'll write 15 drafts of a chapter, so you know the things change oh, yeah. for sure. So you do chapter by chapter, or do you do you finish the novel and then do the drafts? Yeah, I'll do. I, I write it like a third of the way, and then I go back to the beginning, and then oh, halfway, wow. and then back to the beginning. Yeah, I've never and finished two-thirds of the that. way, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. It takes James a long, it takes Patterson a long time. has the longest 
outlines I've ever seen in my life. I took yeah. his master class. I was like, oh, oh okay. my god. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a what they call a yeah he's a plotter for sure. Oh yeah, uh, I'm plotter. somewhere in between. I kind of I I have plots and they're going somewhere, and I generally know where. But but I I would describe it as uh, I had a right great writing teacher describe it as um the this way of doing it is like imagine you're in a foreign city and you're staying in a hotel room or whatever, and you walk out on the balcony and you see a church or whatever tourist attraction you want to see, and it's way over there, and you can see it. And you, but it's foreign city. You don't know how to get there. How to get there. You just know at some point in the day, you're by ro- side roads and sidewalks and whatever, crossing bridges, that you will get there. That is kind of how that's, I would describe that's, it. That's like cool. I know ultimately where it ends up. At, but, <clears throat> yeah, but, I know the ending before I know how to get there. Yeah, 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 for sure. For sure. So that's a lot like of it's just the, figuring that the out. Laws of attraction. You know, you 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 focus on your end goal and you kind of or with anything with. Mm-hmm. I with writing and stuff, I, I kind of, especially sci-fi stuff. I um, initially um, did it like a crime scene, you know, mm. because like, I was a criminal justice, and so you start okay. in the at the end where mm-hmm. where the crime was, and you work your way out, you know. And that's how I always um, all my English teachers and stuff always suggested that. Oh, that's a great way because it's like there's only <laughs> so many ways to get to where you're at right now that makes sense, right? Yeah. So you, take those steps step back and then from there there's only so many ways that make sense to get here so well yeah. brad where can we find you at and um yeah. for our audience um, sure yeah yeah listeners. um uh, my website's brad kelly-esque that's k-e-l-l-y-e-s-q-u-e.com i'm really active on twitter for twitter folks at brad kelly it's just my name uh podcast is artofdarkpod.com uh we're having new episodes every every week or two um and that's also on twitter we're really active there at our dark pod ladies and gentlemen check them out thanks for joining us tonight brad thanks brad thanks brad thanks for having me this was so much fun i really appreciate it you have a great one yeah be good thank you fascinating i loved it yeah a lot of good information yeah it's a good information well this 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 our is sponsored by Carnation, so make sure you check them out. They're delicious. Thank you so much, Carnation, for sponsoring this hour of Chasing Prophecy. And ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on YouTube because we need your subscriptions. Good night. We have a couple. We have like we're going to do forty-five more minutes. And we're going to talk about some interesting things like what's going on out there. Um, a lot of a lot of crazy stuff is happening in the UFO world again. So uh, I was reading that. that. Yeah. Did you read that article? Yeah, I said? yeah, I read that. Um, pretty interesting. Okay. Um, well, the, which did you read the one about Sherry? Yeah. We talked. Yeah. Sherry Hinkle. I got a lot of her information. She helped me um, when I was doing my third book of my trilogy, Aurora's Curtain, about the underground bases. And um, she she knows a lot about this stuff because she herself has been abducted and taken underground and all other places. But I find her to be fascinating. And I want to read just a little little thing that she um <clears throat> she wrote because it goes she has a whole bunch of the um doyce doyce papers they're all pronounced 
everybody's <laughs> pronounces <laughs> Bob Lazard pronounces it some way different than um John Venturi. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's running for governor of Pennsylvania. But um it's a good topic and I think it's really neat that she goes into uh, it's called the hiding the big secret by Sherry Hinkle for over 65 years. She's this is her own writing. I have been trying to enlighten the world about ETs, UFOs that fly across the sky of earth and has become obvious that the military forces of earth are helpless against these beings. They can fly circles around the military craft. They can fly. They can do fly circles around any airplane. The military air force planes of this world are limited to the flying linear paths. The UFOs are not limited that way. They can make right angles midair, instantly stop or take off in any direction faster than you can blink your eye. And she says, no, the last line is a hint. So I hope someone pays attention. The high ranking men and women of the military of earth know the truth about these beings and a few of them more about mundane, mundane citizens of the planet sometimes stumble across the truth while doing UFO studies. When we do find the truth, we just stop and wonder why the rest of the world hasn't found it too. I believe it's because no one can believe anything so basic can be so real. The truth is fantastic and beyond belief, but real. Think beyond the normal limits of fantasy. Consider a game of what if. Note another clue. Think fantasy. Think fantastic. And do not be afraid to think beyond the mundane. People assume the answer is the sky outside the borders of Earth's atmosphere. Think again. It's closer, much closer. NASA is not interested in space, my friend. Or haven't you noticed that yet? Think. So we're going back. I believe she's saying it's right here. It's in the ground. It's under the earth. It's in the ocean. It's on earth. What do you guys think? I believe I, I totally agree on that. Um, up here in Johnstown, PA, I have friends up there and they live out in the woods. And um, every now and then they see like three or four unmarked trucks drive up this road. There's a pipeline up in that area up there. And after you know doing all our ufo research stuff and our shows a lot of things have to deal with the pipeline so i believe that there is an undercover underground you know base up in johnstown somerset area mm. up there because with the unmoored trucks and and the road that they travel it's just a dirt road and there's like did you ever follow them I want, I don't know, I have to ask her that, but I told her, I said, you know, maybe sometime in the summertime when it's a little warm out, I will go up there and follow the road and actually follow that pipeline and see what happens, what we can find. Trish, what do you think? (laughs) Um, uh, Are you reading that comment? Is that what you're laughing at? Unmarked vehicles in forest. That happens a lot here, actually, but Kansas has some of the most expensive underground um, tunneling systems in the entire U.S. We, we have more than 
it's like half the state. I mean, the government used to use them to, and still does maybe to my knowledge, um, to store documents and such. And then Kansas city had an entire underground, um, they called it like a underground metropolis type thing. But, um, yeah, I'm definitely with my abduction history. I'm definitely not following an unmarked vehicle into the forest. That's why it's no i can see where uh, sean's t- saying that um, yeah yeah I, I, absolutely i believe that and, and I, I i think of the earth and anything you know as above so low as like like a an apartment building or, or even in, in big houses, you know, when you have, when you have like a cellar or a basement and an attic and you don't always know what's living, especially if you live in a city, you know, you don't know what's in your basement or your cellar. A lot of times when somebody could be living down there, you don't always know if you're in an apartment building who's above you or who's below you, you know, it's the same concept to me. So, and it's very, that's very basic to explain it. Some of the stuff that she has published is is horrifying and i i remember when i was asking her um for a, you know about the underground um base and it's the just Deutsche papers Deutsche papers as she calls it by Sher- sherry hinkle mm-hmm. um she said this because i told her it was a young adult book and she goes this is not for young adults Whoa. That's how horrifying it is, but I did it anyways. <laughs> so and that's, that's the thing with me. Like those things are triggering to me because I've been, you know, I came from New Mexico. I've and I've I've been back there in different experiences. So absolutely. Hey Trish. Um I'm sorry. Um, I was go ahead. I was reading that article that you sent me, Jen. Um and it and, and as I further went down, it was saying that a lot of the abductees they had burn marks or headaches. You're or, talking about the other article? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Has that ever happened to you? To me? Yeah. Oh, it, absolutely. <laughs> Tons of times. I yes. mean, do you get burn marks? What happens to you? Because radiation burn. probably marks from the radiation. Yeah. I've had radiation poisoning. I've had, I, you name it. Oh, wow. Okay, I'm just asking, you know. Jason, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, you know, uh, well, with all the accounts of, you know, people talking about the underground tunnels and in the oceans, you know, I, I believe it's highly possible that there's UFOs that we just don't know where they're at, you know, from all the sightings and everything. But is it like, what do you guys think about it? It seems a lot of more more than often than not they be they're coming out of the ocean waters rather than yeah. you know a lot of people like see yeah, them coming out of the ocean. A lot of it's going so into are the ocean. they like on the ocean floor do we think that we can't you know the depths that we can't reach or do we think that they're you know using the ocean as um like an entry and exit and then have the tunnels underground you know there, there's, there's so many probably tunnels under the ocean floor probably well, we'll call deep the Mariana trenches. Yeah, you know? we can't even get to the bottom of that. Yeah, but I've also thought about so. It's kind of like when we were talking about the lightning balls, right? Like the energetic, um, they can travel along um, electrical lines and grid lines and things like that. The natural, and that's using electricity. And and so to me, I'm like, well, may I mean, yes, absolutely, there could be underground under the ocean. But what if they're using 
the water as as an element to assist in their travel, you know, kind of like an interdimensional thing, I guess. I don't know how to explain that, but because water has been depicted in every in every religion, every culture and every, um, you know, is almost almost a living thing to an extent, you know, there's when you think of it in that aspect. So what if they're using that as kind of a um, an aid in helping them travel? True. And that's just their entry and exit points, like you said. But I also read too that water is it they like it's like a refueling thing for them that they draw a lot of energy from the water, which gives them a lot more strength or a lot more power to go up in the air, you know? I've seen that and and um lightning also. You okay, Jen? <laughs> No, we have a comment. It says, uh, my dog fell asleep next to me and was farting right in my face while I was having a sleep paralysis episode. It went on for four hours. I couldn't move and was fully aware. Lord, that is a crappy situation. Yeah. Who was that? Hopefully, uh, the, <laughs> hopefully they didn't end up with pink eye out of that. Oh my god, I, I don't know. But yeah, no, I think they draw water. They draw the energy oh. from the UFOs. The water gives yes. them more energy. I de- definitely do. I mean, I think that a lot of the, uh, <clears throat> I think they're right underneath our. Oh, I have to share this with you guys. I have oh, to find. I have to find out what that. There's a, sh- do you remember that YouTube video, uh, YouTube um, with Saturday Night Live with their um, counseling on, they were abducted and they were doing a group counsel. You remember? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's a series on, um, there's a series based off of that. And there's two girls from Saturday Night Live that they're starring. It's a comedy. It is. I, I watched it. I finished the whole first season of it. It's called, let me tell you what it's called because it's so stupid. Tell us what it's called, Jenny. I think it might take me a while. So let me, I am. Um, I know it. it's terrible. I, did you ever, I videotaped it and showed it to my kids because I was, I was laughing. I couldn't, they is so stupid. I want to see if I can find you a clip on it because it is stupid. But I can't remember the name of it. It's so bad. I'm terrible. Wait a minute. Let's see. Oh, where was it? I have so many videos. And it was so fun. It, was, it reminded me of that YouTube video. I'm serious. I was like, oh my God, that is so funny. It's the same stupid. Where the heck is it? Well, you're fine. I want to ask Trish a question. Okay. Um, Trish, whenever you were out in New Mexico and with the underground bases that they have out there, did the earth shake like a like a tremor of some sort anywhere around in that area? Where did it supposed to be at? Not, well, I think in the mountains it did a lot, but but they did so much testing up there with different things. They, you know, we never knew whether it was like like we had a lot of sonic booms from when they were testing the stealth um, fighter jets when those first came out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they test them over the mountains before anybody in the world saw them, for that matter. And then. Um, there's also another thing I was going to say about the water thing in New Mexico. They have bottomless lakes. 
Um, and people swim in them and it's crazy to me. I, I would never swim in it because that freaks me out, but <laughs> they've never, you know, they're supposedly deeper than the ocean. Really? I didn't. Hear and they that. just go down to a, a gigantic hole and there's no end to it. Not that man has found anyway. So that's why they're called bottomless. And those are in New Mexico. Oh, wow. Possibility there in order might have um, a UFO base found in there then. Huh? And then I've always thought that in that specific area, and then of course, you know, you always hear about things um, in Central America as well, like in Mexico and, and, um, do you think, do you all think that it has something to do with being close to the equator? You know, because that axis, we always talk about um, the different ley lines and parallels, but New Mexico and Arizona, where there's been tons of sightings and, you know, the, the Phoenix lights and all that, and then right across um, on the Mexican border and south of that, do you think it has to do with the equator as well? Um, I think so. Um, like when when I was in the in the Navy, I spent three years out at sea, you know, and um, and crossed the equator three times. So I, I believe that. I mean, Maybe I did the water go down like the drain magnetic. the opposite direction, Sean? Oh, dude, I'm telling you, no. That when you cross the equator, there is something that really messes with your body when you do cross it. I mean, literally. <clears throat> I found the uh, YouTube for a little oh, Jenny's excited. We're <laughs> it's called, it's called People of Earth. Okay, this is a uh, share, so you can make fun of me. We ready? Can you see that? Yeah. Oh, here we go. Shirt on. Feet is on. Everyone can see us. It's so stupid. <laughs> it's so stupid. We can see you. You're in the wide open. Get down! Don't talk to me. So what exactly does an alien abduction support group do? Starcrossed is a place where we talk about our feelings. We're not an investigative group. Oh, should be. But we're not. Oh, should be. It's so stupid. My wife was captured by the reptilians. I'm a representative of the Reptilian High Council. It has been quite an ordeal. How do you know you're not crazy? I think this only happen to white people. But then you got this lizard person, and you're like, well, damn, I guess this is on. I'm uh, struggling with the emptiness of my life, and I need oh, to find geez. I've been chasing Bigfoot a little too long now. <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> oh, my God. Is it? Is she? And yes. Maybe all this would be easier to accept if I just had some proof. They made contact. You are special. <laughs> oh, <laughs> What is this? The attitude. Oh my god. There are clearly similarities that have happened to all of us. We all saw bright light. We all were told we were special. Those are strawberry daiquiris. They're so good. When you're done pretending to be a <laughs> that looks like Astar. I need yeah, to be this freaking shit and do some freaking work. I'm just trying to figure out if I belong here. Is this or is this not in the shape of a body? Do you really want this alien thing to define who you are? At some point, you have to make a choice. Do you want to chase the truth or do you want to be happy? What if you can't be happy without the truth? He's definitely in the group. And by the end of the day, I promise you, he won't be. I want revenge! We don't think it actually happened, right? <gasps> Subjects' memories were wiped. It's so no silly. It's funny. It's my it's my um, speed. No, I watched the whole season one on 
the other day. They're like short. They're like th maybe 35 minutes. Did you binge watch them all? Yes. Yes, I did. It reminds me sort of like um, what we do in the shadows on FX. I don't know if you guys ever watch that, but it's a documentary. Oh, comedy. yeah, like a few years ago. <laughs> it's so stupid. I watched every. I'm updated. Uh, I love it. It's funny. It's with the vampires that they yeah. do are doing a documentary. And I like, uh, uh, what's his name? The little dude. He's the familiar. Um, Guillermo. I like Guillermo. He's funny. He wants to be a vampire. And they won't, the one, his uh, master won't, um, he won't change him, turn him. It's so stupid. That's my kind of stuff. I like that kind of stuff. But it reminded me, it reminded me of when we were doing the show when we played that. Yeah. Um, I remember that. It's so stupid. It's funny. But you know what? That one guy looks like Astar Command. Yeah, he does. Yeah. <laughs> that, isn't that the one where our guest was like in love with him or not? Oh, him? Yes. Remember that one? Yeah. <laughs> we shouldn't make fun of these people because. <laughs> I'm, I'm just stating the fact. You weren't on here then, were you? I can't remember. I don't think she was. I think it was just the three of us, me, Jason, and uh, she me. says that she's she communicates with this um Ashtar, and he's the commander of this ship that orbits Earth. And she was in love with him, and she was sexually attracted to him. Well, there's a lot of... Um, uh, so, Ashtar is... The Sounds name of like submarine somewhere. Do you hear the beacon? Well, <laughs> but even, you know, all of these... Um, so, there's different... Uh, beings or entities, or some people consider it a group. It, it's a very yeah. They uh, look like that guy, the blonde hair dude. Yeah, and the, so there's tons of people that say they fresh. communicate with Ashtar. And so there's more than one person. There is. You've heard of this guy? Yeah, and a lot of the C five groups and stuff communicate with specific. Did they look like that guy? Now, I don't know whether they, they consider Ashtar a singular being or if right. it's like a group they're communicating with. But yeah, that's, that's a very, um, it's a very common thing, actually. They, uh, Thanks, Trish. I'm going to have nightmares tonight. <laughs> no, it's like Google it now. That's, it's I am on, Googling I mean, it's like, right now. Ashtar is going to visit you in your sleep. I know. Now. He's going to tell me. It's like a whole galactic command thing. Great, um, great, and this is a it's very serious people like they go out in groups to communicate. Oh, god, it looks just like him. Entities, I have to take, I'm gonna put this picture up. Yeah, great, thanks. I'm just saying, there's a whole Ashtar command, so yeah, I know. I'm, I'm I'm sitting here making fun of him, and he's gonna come and he's gonna show me a thing or two. Um, <laughs> You're gonna get probed. I know. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, for all you young listeners, it looks just like that character, doesn't he? Yeah, it and looks like uh, what's his name out of Ghostbusters? The paint right. on the wall, <laughs> Vigor or something. Oh my gosh, they learned they named this uh, homeschool platform Ashtar. You're kidding me? Where? I don't know. It's like a K through twelve 
It's a school. Yeah. They're probably aliens. But but then you also have to be kind of sensitive because let's just completely we're definitely referring to the extraterrestrial, not the Arabic God. We're not making fun of that in any way, shape, or form because that is a thing. So somebody's calling the police on us. <laughs> well, so that's what I was. So there, yes, it's funny. I didn't even see that. So because there's, there's, that's the name. That's a name. Like when you say Ashar, it's like I, I'm not. I'm don't. Nobody quote me. But I know it has to do with Arabic history and something oh, great. And, like, and stuff. It's a god, but it, but we're I'm not sorry, referring don't call to the police that. Them. I didn't mean anything. Bye. Right, we're not referring to that one. We are referring to the uh, galactic. Yeah, but, don't worry about the police. Look at their Man. names. <laughs> I know. Jeez. We're gonna be uh, we're gonna be uh, hacked. In no way, you know, dis <laughs> against the Muslim religion. <laughs> Oh my lord, jeez. Okay, um, back <laughs> on to um, hot topics. Hot topics. That yeah. literally, what do we call? Anybody been to that store? It's been a while. Off topic. <laughs> I've got one. Okay. Oh. How Go about? Um, Go ahead, caller. <laughs> I was uh, watching the news with Elon Musk buying into. Oh yes! Congratulations. Now we yes. can have America back. Ten percent. About ten percent of the company, which was good like, for him. Good yeah. for him. He, I wonder if he's going to let Donald Trump come back. <laughs> well, that's what everybody is saying on him. They're going to see how legit he really is. I think he's legit. I mean, oh, I do too. But I you think, can't say anything. Now you can with him on the board. <clears throat> I hope that's, so. I'm going to be nice to be that rich. Wasn't yeah. wasn't there something that said like? If you made ten grand a day since the time the pyramids were built till now, you still wouldn't have as much money as Elon Musk. <sighs> or something how, did, like how, that. Did, how did he make all his money? Was it just the um the cars? Just the cars? Yeah, the um electrical the cars. Tesla. No one can afford Tesla. those cars though. Do you know how much one of those electric cars are? Have any of you seen the uh, the ones that catch on fire and burn people's houses down? Yeah. Yeah, because you have to plug them in. Yeah. Right. Now think about it. You, yeah, you're right. You're right, Sean. Think about it. A full charge. A full charge. A full charge on one of them cars. Say like they go hundred miles. So what are you going to do? Stop and recharge? And well, what are you going to do if you're driving through a deserted, you know, like a, that's what I say. A, a desert. And then... <laughs> why would it, why would you want to get one? And solar where panels to, on. Were they going to have charging stations everywhere? Well, doesn't Tesla have that built in that are uh, their system that you you could put punch in like where you're going? Like, it, say you're going on a trip, and it'll tell you where yeah, there's charging stations along lost. the way or something. But then you can sit there for half an hour, or you, you get attacked half an hour. by the cartel, like on what <laughs> Better Call Saul. I don't know if you guys watch that. I watch that too. And I think they also said well, if you got a flat tire on one, you got to get all four of them again because they're equally weighted or whatever i, heard I don't that. know i'm not buying an electric car sorry i'm not uh, i'm sorry i'm not no can you imagine imagine this that it's the middle of summer it's 100 degrees out everybody's got their air conditioners running and now they gotta plug their cars in if they already didn't overheat and explode in the heat 
and now the no. power grid's just gonna sink. You no know? way. I'm sorry. Can't do it. I'm sorry. I can't we're not do it. we're not built for that yet. I won't no. do it. I can't do it. I don't for God's sake. Okay, we're going on moving on to um Okay, the X Files Pentagon released another hundred about 1500 pages that's what you were talking about before sean right yeah documents about shadowy ufos <clears throat> okay so we we have all this stuff from the uh, defense intelligence agency okay so why aren't they i know what you know like sherry says well they're here so why what's the point of even showing this and this one looks really scary okay well, see, the, the only problem i have with that it comes from the sun magazine and isn't that a tabloid? You no, know, sometimes it is a tabloid, but the, no, because this is true. They've been talking about this for National Esquire. Well, no, they've been talking about black. That's where they get their information. <laughs> the onion. Isn't the, the men in black? Aren't they? Aren't they the the uh, government people? Yeah, but they go investigate yeah, stories that they've seen in tabloids because they think nobody, you know, people... Well, you know what? That's what the Project Blue Book did. Did you ever watch that series on the History Channel? But Project Blue Book, they actually did do that. They'd hear these stories, like you said. Yeah, the because nobody, they think nobody would believe them, but those are it. actually more realistic than... Yeah. And according to this, it said the, D, the DA, DIA, the Department of Defense spy arm, said... Some portions of the documents must be withheld in part due to privacy. Now, come on. Confidentiality concerns. So well, all the, I mean, you can't release. It's just like crimes. You can't release people's names. They would be targeted. For, yeah, but come so on. Then why, then why would you publish that in a magazine telling everybody that, you know, they were unclassified? And then well, according to, they said that <clears throat> they discussed it with the, um, Barack Obama and Bill Clinton, but didn't they talk about does, doesn't um didn't Trump say that they told him too that there were alien or UFOs? Yeah, we know they're yeah. UFOs. We've seen the UFO pictures. We want I want to see more than UFOs because they probably have it. When are they going to release that? Well, seriously, is that one of the reasons why Trump started Space Force? I think so. But, but they are okay. Going back to Roswell, okay, and about the Area Fifty. 51 i is it area 51 right why, why yeah. do i keep saying area 54 what's the hell is that <laughs> oh i keep feeling that area maybe there is an area 54 okay um they supposedly had a craft okay now what is that whistling sound you're driving me crazy um do they still have it is it still there why hasn't Where? anybody in, in area 51 oh. that one, from 1947 the crash oh no they they said there never was a crash there there never was so if you've ever watched the most recent where because he he the man who investigated that initially passed away um I yeah don't know, last in the last few years and so his i want to say the his one, grandson the one that the, you're talking about the one that made a phone call to, to um, the one that actually transported the material from the crash site to Texas to to Houston or wherever they took it to. He um, he finally he wrote in all of his journals and stuff that um, and and told people later on in life 
that the material he took to that building, you know, he took the material, dropped it off. He was the one in charge of transporting it. And then all of a sudden they said, okay, wait outside. We'll call you back in. So he left, came back into this office where they had unloaded this, this um, part of the crash debris. And he said what they, they replaced it with something. he said, that's not what I brought here. That's not what I transported. And they replaced it with weather balloon um, debris and said, this is what you brought here. And he swore it wasn't. So so that's all. Nobody knows what happens. I don't know. I still think. Uh, oh, why the secrecy? I, I, I mean, we know. Well, that was back in 47. <clears throat> no, well, you, seriously. I mean, they, they think that the human population is going to be so freaked out i mean come on we want i don't to think that's it i, it's I think it's more because yeah. we will it would it, it would shed light upon the government involvement with extraterrestrials and because everyone believes that they've they've also um used extraterrestrial intelligence for advancements in weapons advancements well, yeah. in experimentation and it would be it would be crimes against humanity and that you know that's something that no one of course they wouldn't want to address that i just i don't know i think that don't they have an airplane out right now that they're working on where it's actually clo- clo- cloaked where you can't see it coming. oh that's shapeshifters they have there's they one have. also that goes past the uh Oh my gosh! It can go into almost into orbit. An actual airplane. Yeah. Well, there's a there's a for about probably two miles from my house. There's a a woman. Um, she's on Murraysville. She's in Murraysville. Allison Cruz. Um, she videotaped sees crafts like on a clear night. She she claims and she does have the videos and Mufon always said that she was full of it because I think she just knew more than them because she had the, the capability of buying these um, really cool cameras that you could see close up high tech cameras that she bought Mm -hmm. and Mufon doesn't have that. And she got these crafts. They look like a helicopter and then it morphs into something else. And she, you should see them. I should probably find one on YouTube. And she got them on camera. And she said they go by, there's an old coal mine where they're going. And she thinks that they're going there specifically for the coal. But then I'm thinking, wouldn't a higher, higher intelligent craft, would they use coal? And then she goes, maybe not the coal, but there might be something under the ground but she said everybody in the neighborhood, their power will go out when these things are shown. So what do you think it is, Tris? Because you're shaking your head. What do you think it is? Well, I know as a photographer, there's been, I can't even name the number of times that I've been taking pictures. Um, you know, I'll be at like a football game or something and there'll be a plane that flies over or something. I just happen to have my camera out like fishing or something. And I'll take a, I'll try to take a picture with my camera of, uh, because I've lived around a lot of, um, you know, military and air force bases and stuff. And in the modern ones now, I'll try to take a picture of them with my camera and it, it locks my camera. It will not take yes. a picture of it. 
And the same thing with my cell phone. So there has to be some type of something that scrambles, you know, the, the communication between modern smartphones and it's my digital camera. So if I had like a Polaroid, I'd probably take it. She's seeing them all the time. Yeah, I can't. So so I know for a fact there is some type of cloaking. um, Yeah, I believe um, it's technology. They have suits like that. The military is messing with like what, 10 years ago? <clears throat> where they could walk right, in, somebody could walk right in front of you. Front of you, you wouldn't even see them because they have because all these tiny little cameras. Well, doesn't Harry Potter have that <laughs> cloak of invisibility? <laughs> well, so and then also, as far as you mentioned, you know, what are they doing in mines? I no, I, I've yeah, go, communication yeah. from from whoever somewhere else in the universe since I was little. That yes, absolutely, there are resources on the on this planet that other um beings are interested in yeah and another thing is not that maybe a couple miles from that there's a uh, i got called and i was with um one of the cases for mufon that i had to go out my case i got that there was a um recycling metal um in jeanette pennsylvania there was a recycling um plant well not plant where would they get the metal was that recycling Scrapyard. Scrapyard. And the family there um, said that they saw in the middle of the night, they got their whole, the whole yard lit up and they looked outside and they went outside and they got pictures and everything of it. Um, But when they went to go, I guess, I don't know if they, it was a digital, digital camera that it did not come out. All they saw was flash. Yeah. They were so drawn, they were drained, um, but they were all drawn to, to this look, looking up in the sky like you see in the movies. And she thinks something with the metal, that they needed some kind of metal or some kind of scrap. I think okay. so. And and if you think about it, the, what if it's true that some of these um, races and of extraterrestrials don't actually have a planet. They just have a giant ship to live on, like you see in the movies and stuff. And if that's the case, then absolutely they would be going to places. Who knows what they use? Those. I mean, you yeah. can make a diamond out of a piece of coal, so which is a r- very hard substance, you know. So who knows what they use them for? They were sick. They said for days from this. They felt drained. Oh, I'm sure. And, and that could be a number of things. I mean, that could be from the radiation, from the, what do they call that? The uh, propulsion from the, like the jet. Um, I don't know what it's called, but but it, it puts out a lot of like magnetic energy and stuff as far as when they take off, people get sick from. When I, when I hear all this stuff, it makes me want to go back and watch um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Oh, yeah. Well, that's old. Yeah, it is old. That's old. I I thought that was such a good movie. It was but So also, do you think the government will ever release their information on UFOs? Ever? Or just hold on to them? I think they're just gonna I feel like they're getting there slowly. Because you figure way back in the day everything was hush hush, you know, secret and 
even paranormal stuff was like forbidden to talk about. But now look how it's changed over the last, you know, 80 years or whatever. Mm. And, you know, everything's just more people are into it, more people are excited about it, want to hear about it, want to see about it, want to, you know, experience it. But so I think it's just slowly coming to. Do you think it'll be like Independence Day, though, where they're like, oh, surprise, they're here. Well, that happened. Didn't that, that happened in what, 1960s um, around the around the Washington, D.C. They had all these UFO sightings. And you could see them there. Well, back but, the and then if that does happen, like, who would you believe? Would you believe the government or any government for that matter? Well, that they have it on against, what if they're the good ones coming to save us? I mean, well, they like, do have it. <laughs> like, who are we supposed oh, to? Is that? Oh, UFO over the UFO over Washington. When was that? Do you guys, any, anybody no, know? Warren Kennedy? I was in the 60s. I was like young. I yeah. wasn't even a thought. <laughs> I want to know what year that was in in the sixties. Uh, was it like sixty four? Was wasn't it when Kennedy or Truman? Well, which one was it? Oh, Truman. So there it is. There, saucers over DC sixty years ago. Here, let me pull this up before we go home. Go home. <laughs> before we go home, folks. Where is this? Uh, this is this is. Can you see that? Yeah. Saucers. That's that's a that's that's a um <clears throat> they there's actual pictures, but I'm I'm not sure why they have this up. Let me see if I can find the actual pictures. But they actually have real pictures. These are cartoons. It actually happened. And so it could have <clears throat> that could be but why didn't no one talk about it though? Because, like, if we talked about ghosts at that time or paranormal activity, they but would it was think you're a nutcase. It was in the major newspapers. It wasn't just like it was like fly by night thing that someone made up. There was actual. It actually had. I want to see the real pictures. That's what I want. It was over sixty years ago. It was nineteen fifty-two. Ooh, fifty-two. Nineteen fifty-two. I wasn't even born. You weren't born. No. Oh yeah, you're not. I keep thinking you're younger than me. All right, who's jamming out now? What's that? Who's jamming out here? Not okay. Me. What? What? Jamming Trish out? is. She's got that little like kind of face. I thought you were looking at pictures, not music. Oh, you heard the music. Okay. <laughs> when the UFO buzzed in the White House and Air Force blamed the weather, they blamed the weather. 1952 was the year American caught flying saucer fever. So when a rush of strange sightings were reported over the sky, Washington, D.C. that summer, the press and the public demanded answers. <laughs> I think back then, I mean, people only had like three channels on television. And yep. so they could have taken it off. Right? A lot of people might not have even known about it, like on the West Coast. I mean, look at look at uh, War of the Worlds that came over to radio back in the, what was that, 40s or 50s or something. And people were like taking their own lives because they were scared because the yeah. alien invasion <clears throat> it was fake. You know? Yeah. Uh... Not that. Do you all think that it would have a huge effect on religion and people's perspective of religion and just spark chaos like they assume it will? Very possible, Trish. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think we're, I think we're, I don't know. I think we're desensitized. I don't think we would. 
don't know. This is an actual picture in 1953 where they said they saw it. Was it? Is that a UFO that I see? Oh, yeah, there is. Let me see if I can bring this forward. So you all ever paid attention? I I paid attention to this when I took um, art history in college. And the amount of, like in historical paintings, I mean, really old paintings, where it looks like there's a UFO in the sky. Oh, yeah. There are a lot of them. Yeah, there's tons of them. I think they they already did that specifically to show that there were um ufo sightings back in there and back then they talked about it like it was during the renaissance yeah there was tons of them yeah okay we're gonna let go early tonight because our um fantastic vampire slavers (laughs) kelly the sexist vampire slayer she's gonna turn to a pumpkin here soon yeah i got my show coming up i'm gonna have the um the ohio ghost crew and uh, they were down there at Buxton with us, and they're a bunch of they're a good group. They have all kinds of neat stuff. So you guys are you guys got to start doing some um, UFO um, hunting and some um, ghost hunting. You guys are slacking off in the ghost hunting department. It's that time of the year. Well, you yeah. should be getting more now because the weather's going to get nice. Nothing. Nobody wants no investigation. Why? Um, because you know how trends go. They were well, this big back in the early 200s, and now people are used to it, so they don't want to really have an investigation in their place. Really? Yeah. I don't think that's... I think the reasoning I'm amongst people like in my community is because... for Especially for people that do a lot of research into these places and stuff... Um, we have to take breaks because it becomes such a, and there's already so much negativity in the world right now that when you're also going to places with a lot of negative energy, it is, it, it starts affecting your health and your life. And, you know, like I was saying the other day, there's people, tons of people I know in the paranormal field that have started having heart attacks and stuff. So for us, like we have to, you have to have some good in your life too. You know, you can't become, um, it's like we are what we eat, you know. If we focus 100% on murders and, and crimes and death and haunting all the time, that's that's what you become. So, I try to focus on the living when there's a lot of negativity out there. Wow, <clears throat> we have a, a guest, and I don't know, I can't find him anywhere. But, you, do you guys know this, this? Does this person sound familiar, Jesse Peak? No. Uh, see you on next week yeah but i don't have any information on him but he's in my calendar okay uh-oh we gotta find out who he is <laughs> so Justin, if, if you're listening, listening just yeah, we have to know where your information is it might be on messenger all right guys well um ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for tuning in to um torture tuesday Pro- torture tuesday chasing prophecy I just have to find the ending thing with Jigger. I think I found it. But thanks for tuning in. See you next week. See ya. Okay, hey. guys. Thanks. Trish left. Hey, we're still alive. Oh, my. Why? Oh, no.